Welcome to the online ministry of Pacific Beach United Methodist Church, located in beautiful San Diego, California. Pacific Beach UMC is a member of the Reconciling Ministries Network and welcomes persons of all ages and backgrounds for worship, study, and service opportunities. More information can be found on our website at pbumc.org. May you be enriched by the hearing of these words, and may you receive and enjoy God's blessing. Morning. Today's scripture is Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12, the visit of the wise men. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to be shepherd, to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Greetings from Persia, empire, a land of many provinces spread from India to Ethiopia. I come from Arabia, east of Africa. I come from Tharius, as far western edge of our known world. And I, from Saba, I come, of Arabia along the eastern shore of the Red Sea. We are journeying back to our homelands, but traveled by a different route. Everything here is so different. Strange people, strange smells, this food, even your architecture is odd. Your mosque of twinkling lights and poinsettias. You see, we have been divinely warned to avoid going home by way of Jerusalem. Weeks ago, we had witnessed fear in King Herod's eyes. Our magnificent arrival of 50 or more set all of Jerusalem on nervous edge. A new king is born. Herod himself called the chief priests and scribes before him. Just where is this Messiah to be born, king of the Jews? He begged of them. The priests told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, 
For so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people to Israel. Herod held his anger, but we saw it written in the lines of his face. After his meeting with the priests and scribes, Herod secretly called again for us, wise men, astrologers, scholars. We are among the former exiled Jews, still living in Persia, but for our choices now. We've studied the Hebrew religion and are well-versed in astrology recorded by Daniel centuries ago. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we saw his star from the east. Imagine our joy. Will I be one among those to bow before this long-awaited Messiah? I was fully aware of the prophet Micah's meeting, so we gathered what we needed, an entourage of guards, keepers, food, water, and clothing, and set out for Jerusalem, nearly 700 miles to our west. His star was sent before us. We carried rich and royal gifts to bring to the Christ child, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Months later, we arrived in Jerusalem, and that's when we met King Herod. But before we left Jerusalem, Herod made it clear that he, too, wanted to come and worship the new king. Go and search diligently for the child, he said, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go. Ah, but we were suspicious of Herod's intent. We set out for Bethlehem, and there, ahead of us, went the star that we had seen at its rising. We carried on until the star stopped at the place where the family was staying, Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. We were overwhelmed with joy. We entered the house and kneeled before the child. We worshipped him, and we offered him gifts. Gold, the medal of royalty. Perhaps this will sustain the holy family for a while. We understand they must leave Bethlehem and go into Egypt so Herod will not find the child. Frankincense is a good-smelling bark or incense. When burned, it is believed that the scent will reach heaven. An expensive oil, myrrh. It's sometimes given as a gift for one who will die. It is used in the preparation of a body for burial. But while we were in Bethlehem sleeping, we were warned in a dream that we should not return to Jerusalem to bring the news to King Herod. Return by another way, the angel advised. So here we are, traveling this new route. Years from now, Matthew will record our visit for history's sake. You will learn of Herod's demonstration of jealousy and cruelty. Centuries later, we Magi will be given names and raised to the stature of kings. It is not so urgent that you understand how long we Magi journeyed, or when we arrived in Bethlehem, or even the significance of our kingly gifts. It is important, however, that you acknowledge the visit of the Magi. For through our voices, the announcement of the birth of the Messiah will be taken to the far reaches of the world, to Gentile and to Jew. I heard that you were a playful congregation, so I risked that. Nice work. Nice work, big kids. (laughs) I had to chuckle this morning when when we were reading the call to worship because I am a lighthouse keeper. My twin sister and I keep the lens and lantern at the Old Point Loma Light, 
at Cabrillo. So anyway, I thought that was a very fitting greeting. Anyway, um, I'm happy to be here today. I'm sorry it's in the stead of your your usual lead pastor, Reverend Lori, but she's homesick. So we fill in as certified lay ministers. I am a member and have been for 50 years coming up this next year. Well, this year, 2023. And I've known Pat and Leanne for a good long while. And uh, anyway, I'm happy to be here. Um, We're going to continue this little thought on the epiphany. But let's pray first. God of Israel and our God today, I offer this somewhat blended message and pray it relays what I intend for the people of this congregation. And we ask for your healing mercies upon Pastor Lori. Amen. Well, this morning we witnessed Matthew's account of the visit of the wise men to the Christ child, who was by this time living in a house in Bethlehem. Matthew tells us in just 12 verses the basics of the visit. Scholars, however, offer the notion that the house was likely the home of one of Joseph's relatives. And by the way, Matthew is the only gospel that mentions the wise men, just 12 verses. Now, interestingly, we can learn more about that star followed, um, that they followed by going back centuries into the book of Daniel. Daniel's life and ministry bridged the entire 70-year period of the Babylonian captivity. Now give me just a minute and we'll get to the importance of what? A Babylonian exile? Well, Daniel, you see, was deported to Babylon at the age of 16 and living in exile in Persia following trouble between the Persian Empire of Babylon and the Kingdom of Judah and in Jerusalem. Unaware to these foreigners, Daniel becomes God's prophetic mouthpiece to the Gentile and Jewish world, declaring God's present and eternal purpose. Well, handpicked for government service, Daniel finds favor with the Persian king. And for his own safety, Daniel wisely mingles their culture of fatty diet and idols with his healthier foods and stays true to the God of Israel. Daniel is put in charge of the astrologers, those sagacious scholars who study the movement of the stars. He is exceedingly wise and can interpret the meanings of dreams and visions. He is also well-versed in prophecies, the, the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah. And if that isn't enough, God sends his messenger Gabriel to help sort the details. Now, let's make that connection I mentioned a minute ago. Centuries of days and nights pass while wise men in the East have been studying the stars according to the detailed records left by Daniel. Something in the night sky catches the attention of modern astrologers some 1,500 miles from Bethlehem, a new star rising. No one knows for sure how many magi travel the distance from Persia to Jerusalem and then on to Bethlehem, maybe three. Three gifts are noted in Matthew's gospel, and we know them well. Say them with me. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Good work back there. And uh, each of these had significant meaning. But more likely, it would have been an entourage of 50 or more traveling the distance to Jerusalem. It would have included guards and keepers carrying food, water, and clothing. This may have been accomplished with the intent to stir interest in the city of Jerusalem. 
Was Herod's kingship being threatened? Have you ever thought that we walk beneath a most glorious record each night, unaware of the magnificent story written in the stars of God's creation? But on Christmas night, we are witness to the celestial event revealed to the prophet Daniel, interpreted by the Magi, and meant for you and me. For unto you this night a baby, who is Christ the Lord, is born. So those three wise men felt the desire to leave their homeland to seek a new star. What will you and I seek in the new year ahead? Will we keep in mind that the baby born is the promised Messiah? Now let's swiftly take this young Jesus from the house in Bethlehem into his adulthood and to the principal location of his ministry in Judea and review his teachings relative to today. We are reminded that Jesus wanted to, that when Jesus wanted to emphasize a message, he spoke in parables. A parable, as you know, is an allegory or a moral story that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. Not all of Jesus' hearers understand what he is saying, which I believe is exactly his intent. Pardon my back to all of you. In my early Christian learning, I had an ongoing internal fuss about these parables. Why couldn't Jesus have just said what he meant in plain English? Oh, or just um, in his plain Galilean dialect of Aramaic. Anyway, I brood over the fact that even today, if Jesus were here in person, say, at the shore of Mission Bay, teaching us in parable speak, would I, would you, know the scriptures well enough so as to understand the meaning of his conversation? Of course, we know now in our Christian growth that Jesus spoke in parables because, according to Luke, the people do not see, hear, and understand. The reason for their inability to comprehend is their rejection of Jesus. Now, his lessons were earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, and he used a contemporary relatable subjects in his parables. Now, there are some 31 parables given in the New Testament. One recorded in Luke 16 is a good lesson as we begin a new year, one that strikes fear into my soul. It's the story of a rich man who lives in extreme luxury, and at his front gate is a poor man of ill health who begs to eat at most what falls from the rich man's table. The rich man ignores the poor man, and they both die. Lazarus, the poor man, goes to heaven, and the rich man goes to hell. In his agony, he calls on Father Abraham to cool even his tongue. Nope, Abraham will not do it. The rich man begs more of Abraham. Then at least send a messenger to my brothers so that they might repent and not suffer this horrid place. No, again, Abraham spoke. If your brothers will not believe in the scriptures, neither will they believe in a messenger from heaven. So, to all of us here this morning, these are the days we are given. A brand new year ahead. Are you living your best life, or are you waiting until a better time? A month from now, years from now? And are you seeking to know the scriptures with earnest intention? These, uh, there are consequences of how we live our lives on this very day. 
we just celebrated with great joy the birth of Jesus. And it's difficult to transition from that sweet scene of Mary holding her baby, loving him with the kind of love only mothers have for their babies, and placing him to rest in a cow's manger. Angels high above announcing his birth to regular working folks like, like shepherds. Excuse me. But upon the culmination of many events that bring us to the epiphany, we must shake ourselves to the reality of why God sent his son to earth in the first place. He will teach us that heaven and hell are literal places, and the scriptures are full of evidence and witnesses in this regard. The parable illustrates that once we cross the eternal horizon, that's it. There are no more chances. The transition to our eternal state takes place the moment we die. Matthew 7.23 says, Multitudes today are complacent in their conviction that all is well with their soul, and many will hear our Savior tell them otherwise when they die. Hmm. This verse is hard. Now, my husband's German Aunt Dagmar used to tell me that all the work I do with children at the church is not going to save my soul. And I would argue, okay, but I learn more preparing to teach than I will ever teach. Isn't this studying the scriptures? But she would say, Karen, it is your relationship to the risen Christ that will save your soul. I was insulted at her assault of my faith, especially because teaching is a spiritual gift. But I often think about her words, wondering if I am where I ought to be. I can't put it off, and neither should you. So are you living your best life toward the salvation that is offered you? Remember, these are the days you are given. And just in case, here is more evidence of the existence of heaven and hell. According to the prophet Isaiah, the Lord will swallow up death forever. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Matthew also says, everything is accomplished if you put aside these commands. You will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven, for which I feel better. But what about the, that other place, the one we don't like to think about? This, according to Revelation 21.8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. Now, there are many other verses in the Bible that refer to these extremes of location at our death. But what we want to take home today is this thought. When believers die, they are immediately in the conscious fellowship and joys of heaven. Can we assume then that the unbelievers, when they die, they are just as immediately in the conscious pain and torment of hell? We can't pick and choose the reality of scriptures. Now notice that the rich man did not ask for release from some spooky purgatory type middle ground. He knew right away he was in hell and he knew why. So he begged for comfort and warning to his family. The rich man knew he was eternally separated from God. So let's put this rough realization to the test. Do we, like the rich man, wrongly see our material riches as evidence of God's love and blessing? Mark 4:19 notes 
that riches are deceitful. Many, I'm sorry, while many rich men enter heaven, scripture is clear that it is very hard to do. We Christians are known by the fruit we bear, and we must not be indifferent to the dilemma of the poor or those suffering personal crisis. I think also that we can take from this parable of the rich man and the destitute Lazarus is that if we wish to live apart from God during our time on earth, he will grant the same for eternity as well. So when death comes swiftly upon us, will you have a robust and trusting relationship to the living triune God? Amen. Oh, wait, just kidding. Not quite. Let's talk about yesterday and today and the days ahead. What would a contemporary parable look like? Now, I'm going to need your help with this one. Do you remember the popular song from the late 1960s by Mary Hopkin, Those Were the Days? Okay, well, you're going to help me sing it here in a sec. All righty. Let's, let's see how many of the words you can remember. And it goes something like this. Once upon a time there was a tavern where we used to raise a glass or two. I started too low. Remember how we laughed away the hours. Think of all the great things we would do. Those were the days, my friends, we thought they'd never end. We'd sing and dance forever and a day. We'd live the life we choose. We'd fight and never lose. For we were young and sure to have our way. La, 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 da, 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 da. And then the busy years went rushing by us. We lost our starry notions on the way. If by chance I'd see you in the tavern, we'd smile at one another and we'd say, here we go. Those were the days, my friends, we thought they'd never end. We'd sing and dance forever and a day. We'd live the life we choose. We'd fight and never lose. For those are the days. Oh, yes, those were the days. And then the verse goes on. Just tonight I stood before the tavern. Nothing seems the way it used to be. In the glass I saw a strange reflection. Was that lonely woman really me? And then those were the days, my friends. And the final sad verse. Through the door there came familiar laughter. I saw your face and heard you call my name. Oh, my friend, we are older but no wiser. For in our hearts the dreams are still the same. Those were the days, my friends. Now, I find the lyrics of this song loosely aligned with what we could call a modern parable. Jesus, our friend, awaits at the tavern. Does Jesus see your face and hear you call his name? Do you see a God-like reflection in that glass? Perhaps you haven't danced forever in a day, but have you prayed, spent time in communion with God, even occasionally? The fact that you are sitting in this sanctuary speaks to your desire to hear the laughter or God's voice. We cannot take back the days we have already lived, nor can we completely relegate our regrets to the past. They play like an old song in our heads. But Jesus at the tavern awaits his old friends. We raise a glass to the salvation he offers. 
These are the days we are given. Spend them wisely. Amen. For real this time. Please pray with me. Dear God, thank you for seeing us through 2022. Thank you for the good, the bad, the experiences, the growth, and for your overall love to see us through it all. We pray for your continued love, strength, guidance, and for continuing to meet our needs as the good shepherd that you are in 2023 as your love never fails, is everlasting, and never runs out. We pray now for more opportunities this year, opportunities in the areas that we need them, and opportunities where you need us. We thank you for the blessings, mercies, and grace that will be renewed with things that will bring us joy, peace, comfort, and laughter. We also thank you for the times that are opposite and will cause us to grow stronger, past our potential selves, and into the individuals that you know we are capable of becoming. Be with our world, our environment, our Mother Earth, our country, the countries around us and all over, for our neighborhoods, communities, our homes, and for our church, and for other churches to send out your message of love and hope. We pray for matters in our countries and for other countries, for guidance on world issues that continue to need guidance, such as violence and war, for proper protection for children all over and everywhere, for other groups and individuals that need strength, protection, and guidance outside of themselves and from you. May those that have been called answer the call with a willing heart. And we pray for the many, many unspokens that you know we need your love and your hands on. We continue our prayers with the prayer that you've taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not from temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.